Welcome to Next, brought to you by Content Labs. I'm Zelina Khan, your host, and I'm so excited to bring you a brand new set of guests to educate, motivate, and hopefully inspire you in and out of the workplace. If I had a penny for every time someone said content marketing is a fun job, I probably wouldn't even be in content marketing. I probably wouldn't even need a job. Don't get me wrong. This job comes with many joys that I'm extremely passionate about, but it also comes with a lot of responsibilities. The responsibility of helping a brand tell its story, helping a company achieve its business goals. It's a job, nonetheless. Um, on this episode of Next, we're going to do something special. Uh, let's call it Tales from a Content Strategist. So today we have Michaela Greco. I like to call her the production princess, but Michaela, I'll let you introduce yourself. I am Michaela Greco. I am the media project manager here at Content Labs, which entails media production, project management, client services, social media content creation, uh, really you name it. I've been at TransPerfect for a little over three years now. Uh, prior to TransPerfect, my background is in film and media, public relations and communications. I hold a BFA in musical theater, which not many people know, and a minor in communications. So that that's me. So, Michaela, it seems like you've been a content creator before content creation was a thing. And I think it's really interesting within the last 10 years how content creation has evolved. And we've had other episodes where we've talked about AI helping with the increased demand, but I think it's important for us to talk about the value and the work that goes into content creation on the human side. Why don't we start talking about some of the actual challenges itself? Going back to what you had been saying about like, this is kind of the fun job. People don't often associate burnout with content creation and this kind of stuff because we get to do the fun stuff. You know, we're a team of creatives and we're collaborating and really we, we put our heart and soul into everything that we create. And so then, you know, if it gets nixed by a company or a client or whatever that may be, I feel like we take that a lot more personally and then it can lead to a lot of burnout. You know, if we're just churning out content and it doesn't necessarily go anywhere. And um, with that, it comes just having to force the creativity sometimes. And I feel like that has been um, a big challenge of mine for a lot of things. And also just like overwhelm from the oversaturation of content that's out there. Yeah, and I mean, I think just even the job of a social media manager, right? It's not a, it's a very serious job. It's a very serious job. I find myself when I'm looking up any organization, any client that we might be working with, I'm going to look at their Instagram page before I actually go to their website, which just shows like how, you know, it, it, the, how the importance is stacked there. But um, you mentioned, you know, being tied to your creative work and that can be challenging. Any of the companies we work with, they are being put under, you know, deadlines, demand. Um, what are some of the things you've done to deal with burnout? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, everybody talks about this. It's just like really having your own passions and your own hobbies and being able to do that in your free time. 
Um, with social media, sometimes it feels like there is no free time because like if you're doing it as a job, you're looking at social media all day long and then what you get home and you want to detox by like continuing to scroll. So like that's not what I like to do. I'm creative. So I like to find my own film scenes to record and kind of have my own little passion projects on the side or even just, you know, scripting something fun for the team to work on. But I think it also comes down to not necessarily defining yourself by the job that you do. Personally, I love just taking a walk. Like, I mean, I either, like if we're under a, an extreme deadline, I'm just gonna do, I'm gonna do a lap around the block. But other times I've, when I do decide to scroll, I like to scroll and look at things that I probably would never have an opportunity to work on. Like, you know, watching someone create gourmet meals for their dog. You know, that's pretty damn interesting. It's very hard to create a piece of audio, video, uh, or any writing material that is appropriate for just one audience, right? Um, and I think a lot of our clients have noticed that too, right? And you brought up to me an interesting concept called context collapse. I'm not that well versed in it, so why don't you tell the audience a little bit about what context collapse is? You know, we're seeing a lot of this too, especially with like working with a global audience and a lot of clients in different markets, is that you can't, you can't expect to create one piece of content and have it reach everybody worldwide. You know, um, which is why it, it's great having a partner and a team like Content Labs who can help take that content and uh, consult on it and strategize how you're gonna roll it out depending on the market that it's gonna be in. But Context Collapse specifically talks about the coalescing of our different communications spheres. So, you know, whether it's personal, professional, uh, it could be business related, Maybe it's, you know, my improv class down the street. I'm going to be posting your Instagram page exactly. that you exactly. don't post on. Yeah, like Instagram versus Finsta. Like if you have a Finsta, what you're putting on that's going to be a lot different than what you're putting on your regular page. Um, so that's kind of what this context collapse talks about is you can't please everybody with the content, with just a piece of content that you're creating from a business perspective because things will get taken out of context depending on the market that it's in. You know, if you post something that's specific to a U.S. audience, it might not reach the same or resonate the same with an audience in Asia. How do you create something where, like, you're not afraid of the negative judgment that it might receive? Um, or maybe, like, it's how we measure success. Like, maybe it's just about we're measuring success differently than just the amount of likes and the engagement that a post gets. So. Those might be questions that businesses or individuals have to ask themselves before they post a piece of content, you know, what, they, what their KPIs are. You'd also brought up the authenticity tax too in another like conversation we had, right? Like some negative repercussions of possibly making the wrong comment or uh, maybe making a comment that didn't apply to the right audience or something like that, right? It goes back to People are afraid to really be their authentic selves online because they're afraid of this negative judgment. And I'm, I'm sure you maybe have experienced this with like what you put on your personal Instagram versus what you put on your LinkedIn. And I guess it's, it's also begs the question, like what is considered professionalism depending on your culture 
and depending what you're posting. What we do with our clients is, you know, it's not just, oh, we create a piece of content, put it on your Facebook, put it on your Instagram, put it on your TikTok, put it on your LinkedIn. We're not doing the same thing for every client, right? Yeah. Um, I remember when I first started in social media, the goal was just to have like a piece of content and you were doing a good job as long as you were posting something. And now that's not the case because you can't just post one thing and expect it to reach a global audience. Um, you really have to tailor that content. So maybe it's the characters you're using, you know? Um, is it inclusive? Is it diverse? Uh, are there certain colors that maybe are gonna appeal to one audience more than another? Which, you, you know, we'll see this on different social media platforms and why global businesses will have one, you know, like a US platform and then like a Spain platform or, you know, France, whatever, what have you. Um, because you can't, you can't expect to like make everybody happy with just a, sing a single post. That's also part of the demand. Like, I just realized that there is, not only is there an increase to produce content in one market, but then when you have to multiply it with globalization and localization, I mean, yeah. content creators are just tired. You brought up a lot of the perspective when it comes to a corporate brand, but I also look at it when it comes to my personal brand, my personal pages. You know, we are producing content heavily for clients in every industry and in so many different markets, but sometimes I can't even get a picture up. You know, you don't look at anything the same once you uh, get into this business, but I would love for you to talk a little bit about the, the balance and the juggle between a personal page and a professional page, and maybe I can bring up some of the cultural nuances as yeah. well. With that thought, I actually have a question for you first. How often are you, do you go to post content and then you overthink it and then you don't post it? Um, every time. Yeah. And I do some fun things, y'all. I do some fun things in my, my, just like, damn it, it didn't get there. Yeah. And that's kind of like what I've also experienced with personal stuff is that it's just like overthinking it. I'm just overthinking the kind of stuff that I want to put on my own thing. And um, like, I, again, it's really important to have a life outside of just what you do at your job. And so outside of this, my personal brand is, is acting and I'm in theater and film. And um, now casting directors are looking at the kind of content that you're creating and that you're posting on your own. And it's like, well, uh, half the time I'm too exhausted from work to actually like make my own content. And then it just doesn't get done. Um, and I've had conversations with different people here at Transperfect too, where they are, they're like, yeah, I want to do better. I want to do more with my personal content, connect with clients, um, use it as like an educational tool. And it's like, they, they can't seem to like get past this wall. That probably goes back to the authenticity tax, yeah. right? Like you're afraid of how it's going to be perceived. Maybe it's going to be negative. Um, yeah making sure that you're PC on everything that you're posting, which is important. And it's kind of exhausting having to separate those pieces and then having to, if you want to post it, because it just makes you happy. Like if you want to post it just because like, this is a part of me. And if you're following my channel, you're going to see all of these parts of me. Like, why do they have to be separate? 
Um, you know, why do why can't we just be our most authentic selves on all of our platforms? I feel like people, um, as far as where it's going, I do enjoy the education portion, and like you know, it, it creates it creates a lot of really healthy dialogue. So while it is exhausting, I'm like, yeah, let's talk about it. Let's let's make it a nice conversation because. Um, and then like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, you, you go to carnivals. I like to go to festivals. Wow, these things are really similar, right? Like the way the celebrations are in the outfits and a lot of cool um, networking happens like that as well, right? Um, you know, there are a lot of deals happen at Burning Man. A lot of deals happen at carnivals. So um, I think uh, I see while it may be exhausting, I think it's going in a, in a really cool direction and um, as but I do find that, like, what do you think about what's going to happen in the next five years, like personal and professional accounts? I feel like there's like new platforms every day, <laughs> every week. Um, yeah, like for clients, I think uh, a lot of them really do care about tailoring content to their audience. And I'm so happy about that because a single market approach is not it, like mm -hmm. at all. Um, yeah. people want to see things and receive messages in the language, in the tone, um, and in the visuals that work for them. So it's, it's work for us, but it's also ultimately, you know, them telling their story to their audience, them, you know, getting their message to their audience. So that's what I see as far as like, companies. Yeah. I think it's like the same way that companies uh, have these regulations about being accessible. It's kind of the same thing. Like you're just making your content accessible to a global audience. So I feel like that is where businesses, if they're not already there, they should start to go in that direction of like making sure your content's accessible to like all of your markets and trans creating, not just translating. So uh, I think that is kind of where we see like this future of marketing and social media marketing going. Maybe our next conversation can be like specifically related to why content creation and globalization are so tied together. If you want to learn uh, a little bit more about Content Labs and the really fun work that we're doing for our clients uh, and Transperfect, Email content at transperfect.com. And we also have a social page, which is also pretty fun. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at its underscore content labs. Um, that's ITS underscore content labs. Um, and if you want to continue the dialogue of questions on social media, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. I'm Michaela Greco, and my name will be spelled somewhere here in this video. Yeah, start a content support group. <laughs> content, content creator, content creator support group. <laughs> content corner. All right, thanks everyone. Bye. If you made it to the end of this episode, thank you for listening. Make sure you hit the like button and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. If you have a question, comment, or suggestion, we'd love to hear from you. Email us at nextpodcast at transperfect.com or visit our website at nextpodcast.transperfect.com. Support for this podcast comes from Transperfect, a family of companies providing language and technology solutions for global business.